Hey, welcome to our Public Church podcast. We hope this message blesses you today. For more information on Public Church, please see us on www.public.church. I want you to just close your eyes for one moment. I really, I know that I know that I know God's given me a word for you. And so I'm going to do my best to share what He wants to say to you. But in this moment, if you would just close your eyes and open your heart because you have to prepare yourself to receive from him. You've got to sort of say, I'm going to put out the distractions, the things that concern me and worry. I'm just going to put them aside for a moment, God, because I need to hear from you. And so, Lord, right now you hear our prayer. Lord, through your Holy Spirit, we ask you to speak tonight and bring a revelation of your word, like, like something we've never seen or heard before. God, just... Make it come alive to us personally for our own personal experience, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Would you go ahead and take a seat? I don't know if you know this, but today is Pentecost Sunday. For some of you, Pentecost, you probably wouldn't even have a clue what it is. I'm not going to explain it tonight. But Pentecost Sunday was something incredible that took place just after Jesus went back to heaven. Uh, He said to the disciples, he said, I want you to go to an upper room to a place and just wait because the Father's going to send a promise to you, something unbelievable, something incredible. And so all these disciples, and in fact, there were about 120 of them, all went to this one room. They were praying, they were singing just like you, they were praising God, they were worshipping, they were telling testimonies, they were just having a good time together. The Bible records that in a moment, God turned up and shook the whole house. They looked around and, and they could see what looked like tongues of fire resting on each person's head. And it was an incredible supernatural moment that took place. It was something that absolutely radically changed every Christian. And it changed the church. In fact, we're here today as a result of what took place then. We are the fruit of those disciples and all those believers. See, the question that you would ask them is, you know, well, what, before they, that moment, what did they expect? What were they expecting to take place? I would say that they expected God to turn up because Jesus said he would come. There was this expectation in their hearts that something supernatural was going to take place. That word expectation, I looked it up in the dictionary, this is what it means. It is an excited anticipation, an awareness that something is going to happen. It is to believe with confidence or to think likely that an event or something that's sensed will take place or will happen. That's what expectation is. It's a confident belief. It's a very strong hope that something is expected will take place. So I want to ask you a question right from the outset. What are you expecting? Expectation is what you believe. Like when, when you're praying, do you, do you believe and do you expect God to hear? 
Do you expect God to answer your prayers? Like when you're giving, do you, ex- do you believe that whenever you sow, that you expect to, re- to reap? When you serve, do, do you believe, do you expect God's favour, his blessing, his protection around your life? I mean, we read that scripture when we, when we read in Matthew chapter 6, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and then he'll add all these things unto you. Like, we read that, but do you actually really believe it? So when you come and put chairs out or when you put the, put the, um, the equipment out like you're serving God, do you expect God to bless you because of that? What, what do you expect? When it comes to praise and worship, do you expect God to turn up? No, I do. I know that when I lift up my voice to him, when I de- begin to declare my faith, my love, my, my heart's feelings towards him, I know that he responds. And I expect him to come. I was watching a football show uh, on Wednesday night. I'm a Queenslander. I was, uh, I was very anxious at half time. I, I thought we were going to lose. And um, they were interviewing the Queensland coach. And they said to him, um, you know, it's 8 0. Do you think you're going to win? And like really casually, really calmly, he said, yep, we're um, okay. We've done everything right. Now we're going to come into the second half and we're going to win the game. There, there was this, it wasn't arrogance. It was this boldness, this confidence. Like he wasn't freaking out. He wasn't stressed. He wasn't like biting his nails. He wasn't worried. He, he just knew that they just had to keep doing what they were doing. They were they were were playing well, but he had this expectation that they were going to win. Expectation is more than just hoping. It's actually the next level up from hope. It's the belief that you expect what you hope for will actually happen. Like we, we believe God will bless us, but do we expect him to bless us? It's more than a feeling, expectation. It's this confident certainty in your internal convictions. I know that I know that I know. This expectancy is, is a belief in you. It, it's actually something that can determine the course in your life. Like some of you might say, you know what, I expect one day I'm going to be a doctor. Or I expect one day I'm going to be a builder or I'm going to be a plumber or I'm going to be a physiotherapist. I expect one day I'm going to be a a professional sporting hero. That expectation in you actually begins to drive you and steer you to what you'll eventually become. It's like eternity. I, I believe in eternity, but I expect to go there. Because I read that scripture and I know that scripture and I actioned that scripture, John chapter 3 verse 16... For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not die but have eternal life. I not only believe that, I expect when I die, I'm going to go straight to heaven. It's an expectation. What you're believing for, that expectation with it, 
will direct and steer your path towards it. It will lure, it will pull your emotions, your feelings, your attention, your vision. And then with that, your decisions, your choices, and your actions will follow what you're believing and you're expecting. And this is important. Believing is expecting, and expecting is believing. When I was a little bit younger, in fact, I was 10 years old, I remember I had this huge boil on my knee. It was so big I couldn't walk. I was in agony, and I remember going to this meeting with my parents, my dad's a pastor, and they had this healing evangelist there, and he came up to me and he said, hey, son, you look like you're struggling to walk. And I said to him, yeah, I've got, I've got a big boil on my leg and I can't walk properly. And he came over to me and he, and he said, Andrew, I'm going to pray for you, but do you know that God is real? And I said, yes, I know. He said, do you believe that God heals? And I said, yes. And he said, then, do you believe that tomorrow morning when you wake up, that boil will be completely gone? For a moment, I hesitated. And he could see that hesitation. And he said, no, no, Andrew, do you believe that Jesus lives in you? I said, yes. I invited him into my heart. Then if he lives in you, he will quicken or he will heal your mortal body. Because if he's in you, he always has an effect on you. So he prayed for me and he said, I'm praying right now. He put my hand, his hand on my knee and he said, in the name of Jesus, by tomorrow morning, be gone. I went to sleep and when I woke up in the morning, the first thing that I thought about was that boil. I pulled the sheet back and I had a look. It was completely gone. Absolutely gone. Not even a little red mark or it was gone. Now, I didn't fully 100% percent believe but I was about 98 <laughs> percent but when I looked down oh man what 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 do you expect you see, expectation is actually another word for faith do we believe or not see there are a lot of people out there that believe in God they really do but they just they just can't put their trust in him. They can't put their faith in him. They can't put their hope in him. They can't put their expectation in him because they haven't got across the line. See, what you believe and expect will be demonstrated by what we think, by what we say, but also by what we do, our actions. I've I got a similar story to, to Pastor Cam. I went to Planet Shakers one year. And in fact, I went for many, many years. <laughs> and I remember going there and thinking, oh, man, I don't have a job this year because I quit. And um, God, I don't know how I'm going to survive this year. And I'm worshipping God. And I, and I really sense God say to me, Andrew, I want you to put your whole year's tithe into the, into the offering here. Oh, God, that's going to empty my bank account. <laughs> and I, I just... I wrestled with it, but I remember the Holy Spirit saying, Andrew, do you really trust me? Do you really believe? Do you really expect that I can bless, that I can look after, that I can protect? I took a huge step of faith. I put it all in. The end of that year, I looked over my bank account. He not only covered the whole wages, but he doubled it. 
God, God really is good. He's faithful. He, he's not going to lead you down a path and let you be destroyed. I, I expect him to be faithful. I expect him to be blessing me. I expect him to go before me and give me favour. I expect God to be around me and protecting me and my family and my home and my dreams and my life. See, that's faith. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. See, you renew your mind by the way you think. You either expect or you don't expect. I know, I know that I know that faith in God works. Because I've got more than one testimony. I remember as a boy, I was out in the back paddock with my, my father. He was burning all these trees. We had this huge big pile and I'm standing on the one log throwing sticks in and, you know, as boys do, trying to make the fire go bigger. And I slipped and I fell in the fire. My whole leg went into red hot ashes. I screamed, my dad ran over and pulled me out of the fire and ran me back to the house and I just remember the agony of the pain. They put me in a bathtub and, and I looked down and my whole leg was blown up like a balloon. My mum and dad rang for the ambulance and then my dad came in and my mum's standing there and my dad looked at me and said, Andrew, he said, we're going to do something right now and I want you to close your eyes. And I closed my eyes and he put his hand on my leg and it was, it was in agony and he prayed and he said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And as we, we looked, this balloon just started to disappear to the point where there was nothing there, no red marks, no sore, nothing. I don't even have a scar on my leg. See, I, 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 don't, I just don't think God heals. I know he heals. So when I pray for people, when, when I tell people about Jesus and I tell about his healing power, I expect him to do the same for you for what he did for me. And this is not my opinion. It's not a theory that I've come up with. This is my own testimony. I know that I know he heals. Quite a few years ago, I was riding my motorcycle with some friends and I remember I was out in the bush and I came around a corner little gully and then around another corner and I noticed that a tree had fallen down on the track and I was going way too fast to stop. I couldn't go around it. The only thing I could do was try and jump over the tree. I got the front wheel over but the back wheel hit and it catapulted me over the handlebars and I flew through the air and I hit a tree head on. It knocked me unconscious. When I woke up, I remember just trying to roll over but I couldn't roll over. A friend came over and he's saying, Andrew, are you okay? And I said, I can't move. And he said, what do you mean you can't move? I said, I can't move. And so he took my boot off and he's feeling my foot and he goes, can you feel anything? I said, no, I can't feel anything. And so he quickly got another friend to ride out and get an ambulance in there and the lady came and done some checks and she said, Andrew, we've got to get you to the hospital straight away because you've done something serious. And I remember this helicopter flying over the, the top of us. I could see a guy come down on a cable with a stretcher and he came over to me and put me on the stretcher and he's taken me to the helicopter and lifted me up. As I'm flying in the helicopter, I remember saying to the person, have, have, I, um, have I broken my back? And he said to me, yeah, Andrew, you've, you've had a very serious spinal accident. And I remember just in that helicopter thinking, my life is over. 
Before I knew it, the, end, the, the helicopter had landed at the hospital and they would taken me inside and done some x-rays and scans and then they put a mask over my face and asked me to count backwards. So I counted backwards. I don't remember anything after that except when I woke up, I'm lying in a bed and I've got all these monitors and all these things around me and all these cables and things connected up to me. And I remember that's right, I've had the accident and I, I tried to move but I couldn't move. The nurses and doctors were standing there and the doctor said to me, Andrew, he said, um, you've just had a, an operation and um, we're going to ask you some questions but you can't talk at the moment because during the operation your lungs stop working. And so we've had to put you on a machine to breathe for you. We don't know if your lungs are ever going to work again, but I need you to answer some questions. For you to do that, I want you to blink once for yes and twice for no. Do you understand? And I blinked once. He said, do you remember having your accident where you came off your bike? And I sort of could recall it, so I blinked once. He said, do you remember the helicopter bringing you in? I blinked once again. He said, I'm going to explain what's happened. He said, you've had a very serious accident. He said, in fact, you should be dead. You're not, you should not be alive. You've totally shattered one of the bones in your neck. The one below it, you've dislocated a centimetre and you've severed your spinal cord. He said, Andrew, the results of the accident means you're going to be a quadriplegic for the rest of your life. Do you understand what a quadriplegic is? And I figured, well, quad means four. <laughs> So there's two arms and two legs, they're not going to work. And so I blinked once, yes. He went on to explain that everything from here down will never work again. I may get some movement in my arms or a little bit of feeling here or there, but I'm going to be a quadriplegic. Then he went on to explain about being in hospital, physiotherapy and occupational therapy, wheelchairs, I don't really remember anything else he said. Eventually he said, Andrew, I'm just going to let you rest for a little while and um, I'll come back in a moment. And so I don't know whether it was half an hour or three or four hours, but he came back and, and I was just the whole time thinking, my life is over. I'm a quadriplegic. I remember thinking, I'll never, I'll ne I'll never be able to drive a car, I'll never get married, I'll never... And all these things, and then all of a sudden the doctor comes back in and he says, Andrew, I'm going to do something. I'm going to take that machine off you that's connected to your lungs because we want to see if they'll work again. And I remember him pulling the curtain and nurses standing there and they started to pull this pipe out of my throat. And as it's coming up, I couldn't talk, but all I could think was, please, Jesus, please, I, just, I don't want to be connected to a machine all my life. Just please let my lungs work. And they pulled it out and I remember just taking a breath and my lungs started to work they did all these tests you know where they did the temperature and your blood pressure and all of that and then then they left and the doctor said Andrew I've got some people that want to come and see you and I said who is it and he said it's my mum and dad and my pastor I said that that'd be great so they they came in and I remember looking at my dad and I just I didn't know what to say my mum was looking at me and I remember just, it was like for a minute everyone was quiet. And my dad said to me, Andrew, it's going to be okay. And I said, how's it going to be okay? I'm a quadriplegic. Mum said, Andrew, it's going to be okay. 
We know that God's, we know that God's in control. I remember my mum saying to me, Andrew, we dedicated you to God when you were a child. God has a plan and a purpose for you, but it's going to be okay. I looked at my pastor and he said, well, <laughs> what they said. <laughs> he said, Andrew, I, I, I've been praying for you the whole way in and I, I honestly did, know what to, did, not, did not know what to say to you. This is my pastor. He said, but just as I walked in the hospital, I felt God give me a scripture for you. It's Romans chapter 8, verse 11. It's this one. But if the same Spirit who raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through the Spirit who dwells in you. I remember him telling me that verse. He looked at me and he said, Andrew, do you believe God lives in you? And I said, yep. He said, then God's going to heal you as well. And I remember just thinking, well, I don't know if he will. My mum and dad had to leave and my pastor left and I'm lying in this hospital bed with uncertainty, with no hope. And I remember just closing my eyes and just, God, I don't know where you are but I need you. I'm asking you right now in this bed to help me. No sooner had I said amen, I just sensed this incredible peace in the room. It was weird. It was, it was like everything was going to be okay. It was like a peace that I, I could literally feel on the inside. It was like I, I, it was, like I was just smiling like, it's going to be okay. I knew that I knew that God was there. I knew that he was with me. I knew that he's got it all in control. And from that moment on, I just had this expectation that God was going to do something. It just, it changed everything. I remember just from then on, just praying and, and God, I, I believe in you. I love you. You've got a plan and purpose for my life. I know that you live in me. I know you're going to quicken my body. I know you're going to heal my body. I know you're going to strengthen my body. I know I'm going to walk again. I remember being in this bed and it was a special bed where they press a button every four hours and it would roll you on your side. Four hours later, it would roll you on your back. Another four hours, it would roll you on the other side. And I realise now that they do that because they don't want you to get bed sores. But I'm lying on my back for about two and a half hours staring at the ceiling. And I got really sick of just looking at the ceiling because there's nothing up there. And so I managed to roll over. And I'm looking that way now. All of a sudden the head nurse comes in and she was not happy. In fact, she was very angry and she was demanding to know who was it that rolled me over. And I said, no, I, I rolled over by myself. And she said, no, who rolled you over? And I said, I rolled over by myself. And she said, no, no, you can't roll over, you're a quadriplegic. I said, well, you try staring at the roof for four hours and you'll be able to roll over too. So she put me back on my back. 
I rolled over again after about 15 minutes. She came back in to see me on my side again and she was not happy the second time. So she asked me again, who was it that rolled you over? And I said, I rolled over. And she said, no, you didn't. You're a quadriplegic. Those muscles in there, they don't work. I said, well, I'll prove it. And I showed her how I rolled over. And I remember her face. She just went like with this big shock on her face. She goes, you're a quadriplegic. You can't roll over. (laughs) I realized that God was up to something. I remember that night just asking my, my family and my friends just to put my music on with the headset so I could just listen to praise and worship. And I remember just closing my eyes, just worshipping God, you know, and I'd, I'd be trying to move parts of my body, but they weren't moving. I remember opening my eyes, thinking that my, my arm is on my chest, but it's not, it's down the side there. And I just continued to, to worship God. And I remember opening my eyes one time and looking, and the guys in the bed over from me yelling and screaming at me. And I thought, hospital's burning down. Managed to pull that off. I'm like, what's going on? It was that, probably that moment that I realised that um, I couldn't sing in key. <laughs> and it didn't help that I was singing about Jesus. They did not appreciate that. <laughs> well, I said to them, well, if you guys have got a problem with it, come over here and we'll sort it out. <laughs> they were all quadriplegics. They couldn't get out of bed. <laughs> But to be honest, I didn't care. The doctor said to me that, Andrew, there's nothing we can do for you. We cannot heal your body. We cannot fix you. I knew that. But I also knew that there's somebody up there who, who, when I was a boy, healed my leg. I I also knew from experiences with with what God had done in my life as as a teenager that God was real. So I had this expectation that God... What he did back then, he can do today. I wake up in the morning and and I would try and move things and all of a sudden this arm was working. Eventually I I started to get some movement in my legs and they they took me out of that bed and put me in a wheelchair. Round the physiotherapy and, you know, they're trying to get me to to move my legs and do certain things with my legs which (laughs) I thought was normal but I couldn't do it. And I remember one day they came and they said, Andrew, we're going to help you stand. And so I stood up. I couldn't stand for long, for about three seconds, and I had put me back in the chair. And the next day they came back and they did that again. Then he said to me, Andrew, he said, I don't know whether we can do this, but we've never done it before, but would you like to take a few steps and see if we can walk? And I said, yeah, I'll have a go at that. (laughs) So they took me over to the parallel bars, you know, the ones you have in gyms? And they had three physios, one beside me, in front of me, and behind me. And they lifted me up in these bars. And he said, okay, take a step with your right leg. And so I did. I took a step. And then he says, okay, now you're left. And I sort of dragged it through and put it on the ground there. And they said, go with your right. And I just couldn't do it. I was exhausted. In fact, I almost fell over. And they they grabbed me and put me in my chair. and, And he's walking me back to my room. And I remember him saying, Andrew, that was amazing. He says, you're a quadriplegic and yet you took two steps today. He said, oh, but we're going to have another go at this tomorrow. Are you up for it? And I said, yeah, I'll have a go at it tomorrow. He said, well, tomorrow what we'll do is we've got this splint 
It's a steel contraption with leather straps and that. We're just going to put it on your leg. And I said, what do I have to have that for? And he said, well, on your left side, your ankle and toes are not working. There's no movement there. There's no muscle control. So when you tried to walk, you dragged your foot. And I said, yeah, I realise that. And he said, well, this is going to help you walk. And I said to him, how long will I have that for? Because I was hoping, you know, maybe a week. And he said to me, Andrew, you'll have that for the rest of your life. And I said, I don't want to have that. He goes, I'm sorry, you're going to have it. I said, no, it's ugly. (laughs) He said, Andrew, unless you get movement in that foot, you need it to walk properly. And I remember going back to my bed that night, putting my music on, just singing again, (laughs) trying to get the other guys to sing with me. (laughs) But I remember just praying, God, you're a miracle working God what you're doing is an absolute miracle. I believe and I'm expecting you to heal my body. Lord, this foot, this ankle, these toes, heal it. Amen. That's all I said. I went to sleep. The next morning I woke up, I pulled that sheet back and I looked down, I could move that ankle. Every one of my toes were working. I... I, I pressed that special button that they have on your bed. You know the one that makes the nurses run really fast? I pressed that and they ran in. <laughs> and I'd said to them, look, my foot's working. And they were, they were all excited. <laughs> like, yeah, it's working. Wiggle it. So I did, you know. And then I asked them to put my shoes and socks on, put me in the chair. And I got, in, got them to push me around to the physio. And he's waiting there with the big steel contraption. And I remember saying to him, I don't need that thing. And he goes, you're going to need it. I said, no, I don't need it. He said, what, is your foot working? And I said, yep. He says, I don't believe it. I said, well, it is. He goes, well, I, I don't think it is. And I said, it is. And I showed him. He goes, no, that's the wrong foot. And I said, you know that's the right foot. <laughs> so I wiggled the other one just to prove it. And then he goes, I bet your toes don't work. I said, how much? <laughs> I said, oh, I bet they do. So he took my shoe off. And he goes, okay, wiggle your toes. And I wiggled every one of them. Then he ran out of the room, (laughs) left me there. He brought all the other physios in and they're all standing around the bed and they're going, wiggle your toes, wiggle your toes, move my foot. Like they were were absolutely amazed. I remember one of the guys going, how did you do it? Like how did you get all your movement? Because if you know anything about spinal patients, you get like a little flicker. And it's like that for months and months, even for years, you don't get full movement overnight. It's not possible. Damage, split, you know, severed spinal cord. The nerves are gone. I remember one of the guys saying, this this is an absolute miracle. (laughs) Then the next guy goes, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm praying. He goes, "What, what do you mean praying? I said, well, I believe in God. I believe that he heals. And then another guy goes, says to me, well, keep doing it. Keep praying because it's working. (laughs) They took me over to the parallel bars and I remember walking about seven steps. The next day I took the whole length of the bars. The next day after that I did two lengths of the bars and three lengths. Then they eventually came and gave me one of those, you know those walking frames where you put your arms in it's got the wheels and you know. I had to learn to walk in that. And then I had the, the, the old frame, you know that one? <laughs> and then I had the walking stick. You know, the, the movie Up? 
that one with the four tennis balls on the bottom. Well, I had two of them. <laughs> I had to learn to walk with it. And I remember one day I'm walking back to my room and I hear this person behind me saying, excuse me, excuse me. And I thought, man, man, they're rude. They're just, you know, can't wait for me to just get to the end. And then they can, they wanted to get past me. And I, I, I managed to pull over and turn around. And it was an old lady. She was in her 80s. She was trying to pass me because I was walking too slow. God, God was doing a miracle. Every night I would go to bed and pray, God, I believe. I expect you to complete what you started. I remember a friend came in and he asked me, Andrew, what works and what doesn't work? And I said to him, well, the fingers on this side sort of flickering, but they're not working properly yet. This tricep's working good, but, but this one's not. And he said, what do you mean it's not? I said, well, it wasn't. <laughs> but it's working now. <laughs> like before he came in, I would try it. And it would fall down. I just couldn't hold it up there. But the moment he asked me, it was like God turned up in that moment and healed my arm. And I had complete full movement. There was, there was so many things that God was doing in my body. But he was doing all these things in my heart and in my mind as well. I remember one day I went to my bedroom, went to the physio and then went to the bathroom. And I remember going to the bathroom and I, th I thought to myself, you know what, I can do this. I can walk from one side of the room without any walking steps. I can do it, you know. And I remember taking a step and sort of I fell over. And I hurt myself really, really bad. I managed to crawl over to my um, walking sticks and get them and pull myself up and go back to my room. And I just wanted to lie on the bed, close my eyes and just, oh, God, I can't do this. I don't know if you've ever been through a battle. And it's just like you get to a point where it's just so tough. It's just... Like, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to give up, God. And I remember God saying, Andrew, don't give up. Don't let go. Don't stop. I, I, I opened up my Bible and I began to read. And I remember just this verse leaping out from the page. It was 1 Peter chapter 5. And it, it basically said this, that there are Christians all over the world that are suffering just like you. You're not the only ones that are plunged into hard times. We all struggle. We all have wrestles. But it won't be long before this great, generous God who has great plans for you will have you back on your feet for good. For he gets the last word. When I read that, I just knew that I knew that I knew that God was going to complete what he started. I got out of that bed, straight round to the fire escape, ran, walked up the stairs and walked back down again. And then I was exhausted. The day I left hospital, this is a long time after the day I had my accident, I was in this room and I had my doctor, that head nurse, <laughs> physiotherapist, the occupational therapist, my, my, all my family were there, the surgeon, the guy that did all the surgery, my own GP was in that room as well, plus a social worker. Oh, this room was full. And the doctor stood up and he said, Andrew... He said, you're leaving the hospital today. 
He said, I, I, this is amazing. And he says, you're, you're leaving without any walking sticks, which was a miracle. He said, you're not having any medication. You don't even need Panadol or Nurofen. I had to do a test before I left. And he said, this, this was amazing because there are people that leave the spinal unit and they are able to walk after months and months and months of rehab, but they need walking sticks. He said, but most of them, in fact, all of them will have parts of their body that they have no feeling or they have no sensitivity. I did a test the day before where they go with a pencil and a bit of cotton wool. You close your eyes and you say, yep, sharp, soft, you know, just all around your body. And then they do it something hot and something cold. And I remember them saying to me before they did the test, Andrew, you're not going to pass it all, so it's okay. I passed the test 100%. Completely. The doctor said to me, he says, I, I, I don't know how you did this. Before he could finish his sentence, the surgeon stood up and he says, take a look at this. And he pulls out my x-rays, puts them up and he shows everybody in the room and he can sh- you can see where I totally shattered the bone. You can see where the spinal cord was, was severed. And he's explaining all of that and he says, and, and this is what's even worse, he says, I was pulling bits of bone out of your spinal cord. He said, you should be a quadriplegic. He said, but you are completely healed. He said, I don't know what you've done. The only thing I can describe or explain this is that there's definitely somebody up there that's looking after you. He sat down and the doctor stood up and he said, well, Andrew, he said, that's what it is. He said, you've got someone up there that's healed your body. That was enough because my dad stood up and he's a pastor. He said, well, you've said that there's somebody up there. Let me explain it to you. He's not just up there. He's down here. His name is Jesus. For the next 10 minutes, my dad shared the gospel with everyone in that room. Not one of them could deny the fact that I was completely healed miraculously. I want the team to come and join me. It says this in Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. It says this, With men, this is impossible. But With God, all things are possible. All things are possible to God. There's nothing impossible to him. So what do you expect? Do you expect God to heal? Do you expect God to bless? Do you expect God to go before you and give you his favour? Do you expect God to go into next week, into next month, into next year and already open doors of opportunity and incredible blessing for you? Do you expect when you go to the shops or when you're driving your car or, you know, you're down the beach or out in the middle of Australia or somewhere around the world, do you expect God's protection to be there with you? Come on, we, we say it. But we've got to believe it. I know that I know that I know that my God heals. I know because I was the quadriplegic. I had no feeling, no movement. What's your expectation? I 
remember like there was one year that I was struggling financially. So God, I'm not just going to tithe. I'm going to double tithe. Because I know you're Jehovah Jireh. That's your name. You're our provider. I know that when I put seed in the ground, I'm going to reap a good harvest. So I'm not just going to tithe. I'm going to double tithe. The next year, I got this contract. I worked for six months and I had completely finished the whole year's contract. And I thought my job was up. They came to me and they said, Andrew, you're just such a great worker. You've done everything you need to do in one year. You've done it in six months. What we're going to do is we're going to pay you, continue to pay you for the rest of the year. But we don't want to employ anyone else. We want to keep you on. So we're going to write another contract up. And we're going to pay you again for another year, for this year. So for the whole year, I got two years wages in one year. I know that I know that I know that was fruit from what I sowed in the ground. I know God blesses. I expect Him to bless me. I expect Him to give me favour. I expect Him to go before me and open doors of opportunity. Jesus is real. He's alive. God is real. He is alive. And He is with you. He says He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is your best friend. In fact, you are His treasured possession. You're His. You're special to Him. He knows every dream, every hope, every thought you've had, and He's kept it. Every prayer that you've prayed, every tear that you've, every tear that's come out, He's kept it. You are His treasured possession, and He wants to bestow upon you His favour, His blessing. More than you could ever think or imagine. Expect it. Expect it. Expect it. Expect the goodness of God to go with you. You are a child of God.